Welcome, everybody, to Wrestling Recommendations. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... The pantsless Travis Lasseter. Yeah, luckily, the camera... I can't see it. But I've known Travis for a long time, and we've been in, uh, we've seen each other in really uh, weird predicaments, so it wouldn't be anything new. It's true. Ball's just flapping in the wind. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. We used no, to be not, roommates. Not, not that far. I didn't, I didn't ever walk out with my balls just flapping out, but pretty close to it. Essentially... Essentially, you did. Uh, Travis, this episode, we're going to be talking about the WWE champion, Triple H versus Dean Ambrose, also known as John Moxley, from Roadblock 2016. I'm really excited to dive into it, but really quick, I want to talk about our TikTok. Holy shit. Uh, from our last episode, um, I've seen a huge influx and in downloads to the podcast. Uh, also, uh, one of my videos on here is Gorilla Monsoon basically making the fatal four-way match it has 116 almost 117,000 views uh which is wild and my tiktok went from like maybe like 20 people following me uh it's up to 525 followers so it's pretty wild so we're using it to utilize our audience if you're listening to this because of tiktok let us know put it on our tiktok uh but we appreciate it it's pretty cool blowing up on the tiktok yeah, just apparently, like apparently, apparently, my uh, wife really loves TikTok, so guarantee she hasn't watched any of our videos. But you know, my wife loves TikTok, so that's that's the all what all the kids are doing these days is the uh, talk of the bored. tick. I get bored, but now it's I can't really enjoy TikTok because when I get on there, I change all of our stuff over to wrestling recommendations. I just get flooded with like twenty or thirty uh, notifications saying that people viewed the video or liked the video started following us. So it's just nonstop. Like I understand why celebrities have people who run their social media and I'm not on like any kind of like super level. Uh, I can only imagine what it's like to be super famous. Just, just gotta clear those notifications and roll on, man. I try. I try. I do. Uh, if anybody does comment on the videos, I do comment back. Cause I want them to feel like we, uh, we do appreciate them because we do, but rolling right into this episode, Travis, you picked this one. We're going to talk about Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley. Yeah, pink-haired John Moxley back in the day. Long-haired, pink-haired John Moxley. Jonathan Good was born in Cincinnati on December 7th, 1985. There are so many wrestlers from the Ohio area. Uh, I have a theory to this. Uh, Landry, my wife, is from Ohio, and basically she's put along the lines of always hearing people being announced from Ohio that there's nothing better to do in Ohio. That there's nothing to do. So a lot of these people go on to be professional wrestlers because they're so fucking bored. It's true. There's not a lot going on in the Cincinnati. Uh, their football team sucked for years and I'm really hoping for the day they suck again because fuck Joe Burrow, <laughs> fuck the Bengals. Um, the whole state of Ohio is pretty much like Bret Hart cut a promo one time. So you'd stick the enema in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'd stick the enema right in just the state of Ohio. <laughs> fuck, Le fuck LeBron James, fuck the Browns, all that good stuff. Man, Johnny Manziel, come on. 
I remember. Uh, he grew up in a very poor area of Ohio and, like many of us, used wrestling as an escape from his real-world problems. Uh, he grew up being a really big fan of Bret Hart, actually. is kind of where it all started. John began working for Les Thatcher in the Heartland Wrestling Association as a teenager by selling popcorn and helping set up the ring, pretty much how a lot of wrestlers get into the business. Uh, they get their foot in the door by setting up the ring, and then sooner or later they start training, taking bumps, little things like that. He began training to become a professional wrestler at the age of 18 under the teaching of Les Thatcher and HWA wrestler Cody Hawk. He would make his debut in 2004 under the ring name John Moxley. Moxley would wrestle several dark matches for WWE, Ring of Honor, and TNA between the years of 2006 and 2009. He would shortly, you know, around that same time, work for indies like Dragon Gate, uh, Full Impact Pro, which we've talked about. That's Ring of Honor's sister show in Florida. Uh, and, of course, mm-hmm. CZW, where he would gain a lot of buzz regarding his promos. There is a promo he cut talking about uh, how someone smells like the inside of his mom's purse. And it always stuck with me. It was a really good fucking promo. And that's what kind of brought my attention to him was his promos were so different than everything else going on. That's true. It was uh, that's a big push. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. But for feuds he did in FCW and stuff, that was his promo skills were what got him a lot of those opportunities to wrestle with bigger names when he was in FCW. Yeah, we're about to get to that. Uh, speaking of FCW, he would sign his developmental deal in uh, for the WWE in April of 2011, and he joined FCW under the name Dean Ambrose. Ambrose made his televised debut on the July 3rd edition of FCW, where he began feuding with Seth Rollins over the FCW 15 title, the Jack Briscoe 15 uh, 15 minute title or 15 title, uh, which was technically an iron a 15 minute Iron Man match, um, where mm-hmm. he, whoever scored the most p- falls in 15 minutes would be uh, the champion. Clever title, a little bit convoluted for what it is, but it, pretty different. I kind of like it. A couple of those matches are on uh, the Shield DVDs and maybe one of the Seth Rollins DVDs WWE put out. They have a couple of matches with him and Ambrose for the for that uh, 15 title. Yeah, or I think they medal, released it. Because it, it was a fucking medal. It wasn't even a belt. Yeah, I think they released it um, on the self-destruction of the Shield because they have their matches and then they end up having a three-way match with, with uh, Liaki or Roman Reigns later on. At an FCW house show on October 21st, Ambrose challenged WWE champion CM Punk, who was making a guest appearance to a match in which Ambrose was defeated. Punk would later praise Ambrose after the match. I've seen that. Uh, I think that's also available so- on, on someone's DVD. Uh, I can't remember who, but, or it's online. I've seen the footage somewhere. I can't remember where exactly I've seen it. I think it may be online. Don't quote me on that. But I cannot remember. Remember a, a specific DVD. It's not coming to my line right now. And trust me, I used to have every one of those fucking DVDs. Yeah, I, I remember. There. I think it might be on Punk's DVD. Actually, I could be wrong. Could be on the Blu-ray. I can't. I cannot remember. Yeah, I can't really remember either. Um, he would Ambrose would then begin a year-long feud with William Regal, uh, cutting promos back and forth. Regal would insert himself because I believe Regal was doing commentary at the time on uh, mm-hmm. FCW television, and uh, he ended up doing the same kind of feud with Cesaro later on, uh, but this time he w- he did it with uh, Ambrose. Um, they loved working with each other, which makes sense why it kind of ties back into the Blackpool Combat Club, which is going on now in AEW, even though Regal's gone. Yeah, because Regal 
also did it with uh, Chris Hero, Cassius Ono too. Like those were like his three mm-hmm. that he worked programs with in the lower lower tier. Oh, yeah. Say developmental. Sorry. Uh, in March 2012, Ambrose had a confrontation with Mick Foley, claiming that Foley needed to be held accountable for creating a generation of imitators. Ambrose continued to antagonize Foley through Twitter. Although mm-hmm. Ambrose, according to Ambrose, the angle was supposed to culminate in a match between the two, but this never happened due to Mick Foley not being medically cleared to wrestle. Also, Mick Foley took some uh, some of the things he said to heart because there apparently was some heat with one another. I believe he mentioned Noel. I could be wrong in the in some of the uh, promos that he was talking about, but I know he uh, it, Mick Foley said that he was kind of taking it too far, um, which is wild because I think the original clip i saw of that was he was doing something at wrestlemania like the fan fest and he came up to him and started going after him saying you know it's like who the fuck are you basically um it would have been cool to see i mean mick foley definitely was well past his prime but it would have been cool to see someone like that get a rub especially from like fcw yeah it would have been cool to see foley go out to uh with you know the taste of his stuff at tna on people's mind i mean it would have been nice for him to cleanse that with a match with uh, Moxley. I remember seeing that footage, too. I know that is on one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. DVDs because it talks about, like, missed opportunities, like what happened before they became the S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's where some of that footage is seen. It's, he, he interrupts him at Access when he's with a group of fans, and he's like, you become this man that uh, pretty much just a nice guy. What happened to the hardcore legend? What happened to the ass kicker kind of thing? And then, like, that's kind of where it ends because Mick Foley couldn't – Passes impact test. Yep, because I believe at the 2012 Rumble, Mick Foley has a spot in the Rumble match, and that's the that's pretty much his last match. He doesn't have a match uh, in uh, at all after that. Ambrose would compete in a dark match on the first tapings of NXT at Full Sail, and he lost to Xavier Woods. It was around this time that he kind of wore thin and developmental, as he had been there so long. Uh, he has said around this time that he was really, you know, just kind of there. He didn't have anything to do. He was kind of like in limbo. Uh, they weren't using him on NXT, and he wasn't on the main roster. But that all would change, and I believe you were watching this show with us. I can't. I think we were at B-Dubs when this happened. Um, I know I was there with Brandon the night this happened. But uh, on November 18th, 2012, The Shield would make their debut at Survivor Series, uh, attacking Ryback and John Cena and helping CM Punk retain the title. And uh, I remember it was a big ordeal because I was like, that's fucking, that's Dean Ambrose. I'm like, I know that guy. I'm like, that's that's Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins was NXT champion at the time. And then I was like, who's that third guy? And I couldn't remember um, Roman Reigns' name because he, he had res- just recently changed it to Roman Reigns. I couldn't remember who he was. But it, it was a pretty big deal to watch. And it's very influential in the, the coming years What you know with them debuting what we end up getting. Yeah, and a big fuck you to Ryback. Just th- Oh, that out there. Ryback's a piece of shit. Are you still blocked? But I, yeah, I'm still blocked <laughs> on all of his, all of his social media. Pretty much. I got blocked. So it's a highlight of my life because fuck Ryback. But uh, I think I was watching this with you guys because he comes, they come out and powerbomb them and they're in like the, t- almost like the turtleneck black shirts instead of the regular ones they would wear later. And f- <laughs> Roman Reigns actually got the spot that was supposed to be uh, Chris Heroes, uh, yep. Cassius Ono. And, uh, they put Roman Reigns in that spot instead. So I'm kind of glad they didn't have them come out with the riot shields and stuff like Moxley talked about in his book uh, and in interviews. They wanted them to come out with actual 
shields because they were the fucking shield, which was weird. And then they separated them from Punk, which I think was a good idea. Yeah, uh, building off that debut, they would actually go on to have a uh, amazing six man tag TLC match. I know you talk shit about Ryback, but Ryback probably Ryback's best match he's ever been in, uh, teaming with uh, Brian Danielson and Kane. That match is actually on our list. Look forward to watching that one one day because that match was really fucking good. It surprised the hell out of me of how good it was, uh, and especially with it being their first big match on the main roster. Yeah, every one of them guys, including Roman Reigns, was heads and shoulders above Ryback in that match. I would never give Ryback credit for anything. So when we watch that match, <laughs> I will shit on Ryback. You're right. They continue to aid Punk through uh, even after TLC, both on Raw and at the 2013 Royal Rumble. The night after the Royal Rumble, it was revealed that Punk and his manager, Paul Heyman, had been paying the Shield to work with them all along. The Shield then quietly ended their association with Punk. At Extreme Rules 2013, Dean Ambrose won the United States Championship by defeating Kofi Kingston. And later on in that show, I believe it's Team Hell No loses the tag titles to Roman and Seth, mm-hmm. so they have all the title belts uh, pretty much from for quite a while. Uh, in August, the Shield aligned themselves with Triple H and joined his group, The Authority. They're pretty much the Shield for Authority. They were the muscle for it. The Shield would mm-hmm. eventually feud with the Wyatt family and uh, would lose to the Wyatt family at the Elimination Chamber 2014 due to Ambrose abandoning his teammates midway through the match. That match is also on our list. That's when they begin to tease the the the, the breakup that it was going to be Ambrose turning on them. Uh, they had the little friction at the Rumble because Roman eliminates Seth and Dean on uh, in the Royal Rumble match. So the mm-hmm. cracks were starting to be there, but the way it all plays out was not how we all expected it to play out. Very true. And they quickly like pivot from the breaking of the shield up to letting them continue on too. like, it just, they don't want you to forget about it. Pretty much. They decided let's not break up the shield yet. I really think punk leaving had a lot to do with that because they Mm. needed something to kind of fill the void. And I think that's why, Uh, because after their feud with the Wyatt family, the shield moved on uh, to a rivalry with Kane turning babyface. Uh, The feud with Kane also led to the shield to seize working for triple H who reformed evolution uh, with himself, Batista and Randy Orton. The Shield defeated Evolution in a six-man tag team match at Extreme Rules 2014. Uh, The following night on Raw, Triple H forced Ambrose to defend the U.S. title in a 20-man battle royal, which saw Ambrose surviving until the final two before ultimately being eliminated by Sheamus, ending his historic, and I believe it's still the record, 351-day United States title reign. To be honest, his title reign was bullshit. He barely defended the title. It was always an afterthought. He wrestled on pre-show matches. Uh, I think it was the we already covered SummerSlam uh, 2013 with uh, Daniel Bryan and John Cena on the podcast. He wrestled the fucking pre-show match against RVD for the U.S. title. That should tell you something. Well, and the thing is with that it is it was more about the group than it was the belts, and the belts were elevated by those guys having them instead of them actually being defended and done stuff with which at that point, they didn't need the belts no. anymore. No. Some people don't need title belts to be fucking over. Like, I, I don't understand why. Some people make it a big fucking deal about it, but to me, you don't need a title belt to be over. If anything, the belt should, you should make the belt more prestigious than the belt making you more prestigious. That's just me. Uh, the Shield once again defeated Evolution at Payback in a no-holds-barred elimination match. That match is actually pretty good. Uh, the following night on Raw, of course... Seth Rollins would betray Ambrose and Reigns and aligning himself with the authority, breaking up the shield, 
Definitely came out of nowhere. I remember that night. I went to bed early and I woke up the next morning like, son of a bitch. Should have stayed up for that one because uh, hearing that guy scream, no, hit someone with the chair. Uh, I watched that live and I was like, oh, my God. Like you could see him, like Seth Rollins take the step back. I was like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> and then, then D- Dean Ambrose's face, like he sold it so good. Just like what, like what, like it was just so sold so fucking good. Yeah, I, I feel like you could argue that you could have put Dean Ambrose in Seth Rollins' position, but however, Seth Rollins is more of a pretty boy, so I get it. Um, but we saw the Shield break up uh, throughout 2014. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose would pretty much feud almost the entire year uh they would end their feud at hell in a cell uh when we get that really weird ending when uh bray wyatt like it's like a hologram he comes through and hits him with his sister abigail uh and then of course he would feud with luke harper to kind of uh roll into 2015 ambrose would return to feud with seth rollins over the world heavyweight championship uh but would not win the title after Rollins legitimately injured his knee in November 2015, the WWE Championship was declared vacant. Ambrose entered a 16-man tournament to determine a new champion, making it all the way to the finals, uh, of course, losing to Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, in December, Ambrose won the Intercontinental Championship for the first time after defeating Kevin Owens at TLC. These guys had great matches all the time. They had a match there and at the Royal Rumble, I believe. could be wrong. Um, but they had a... Uh, some pretty good matches. Ambrose competed in the 2016 Royal Rumble match for the WWE Championship, which he lost after lastly being eliminated by the eventual winner, who we'll talk about here shortly, Triple H. Ambrose would later lose the Intercontinental Championship back to Kevin Owens in a five-way match on the February 15th episode of Raw after Owens pinned Tyler Breeze. At Fastlane 2016, Ambrose faced Reigns and Brock Lesnar in a triple threat match to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 32, but lost after he was pinned by Roman Reigns. The following night, Ambrose challenged Brock Lesnar to a no-holds-barred street fight match at WrestleMania 32. We will save our comments for that in the aftermath, because that match sucks. It is not good. Yeah, it is not good. Now on the other side of the ring, Travis, Triple H... Uh, I'm pretty much going to save a, a deep dive into Triple H's early, earlier career for another time, um, but we'll pretty much start from when the authority was born. So, of course, we talked about it on our SummerSlam 2013 episode that we mentioned earlier. Triple H served as the guest referee for the WWE title match between John Cena and Daniel Bryan. After Bryan won the match, Triple H attacked him, allowing Randy Orton to cash in his Money in the Bank contract and win the title, turning heel for the first time since 2006. Uh, Like I said, we covered that match on our podcast. Along with his wife, Stephanie, they would create the authority with the Shield as his enforcers, Kane as the director of operations, and Randy Orton as their hand-picked champion. At WrestleMania 30, he was originally slated to face CM Punk before he would walk out on the company. From everything Punk said in his shoot interview with Colt Cabana, he was supposed to beat Triple H at at WrestleMania. Uh, I don't think it really did anything for anybody. I think what we ended up getting made more sense. And Triple H and Daniel Bryan have a fantastic fucking match. Uh, arguably one of the best opening matches for WrestleMania. You could put it up there with uh, Brett and Owen. At least I, I would I would say that. True, true. I agree with would agree with that. Triple H instead wrestled and lost to Bryan, like we were talking about, thereby granting Bryan a part in the WWE Championship match against Batista and Randy Orton, with Bryan ultimately winning the match. 
Uh, to end Brian's title reign, Triple H reformed Evolution, as we were talking about with Orton and Batista. But Brian remained champion due to the Shield turning on the authority. Evolution would lose back-to-back mass- matches with the Shield at Extreme Rules and Payback. Batista would quit WWE on the Raw after Payback after Triple H refused to grant him a title shot against the WWE champion, Daniel Bryan. Triple H then went to Plan B, Seth Rollins, who turned on the Shield and joined the Authority. The Authority were briefly removed from power after losing a five-on-five tag team elimination match at Survivor Series after Sting would make his WWE debut. Huge fucking moment. Huge fucking moment when it finally happened. I still remember hating Sting's music when he came out the first time. I still remember it, but everybody knew it was coming, but it it was just, I never thought I'd see Sting in WWE just because he hadn't been there, and it was just fucking tremendous to see him. Yeah, it was weird seeing him in a WWE ring. Uh, we all know how that kind of went. Um, Seth Rollins pretty much fucked him. So, yeah. Buckle However, bomb, the, baby. It was bad. However, the authority were reinstated in December after Rollins coached Cena into reinstating them by holding Edge hostage. I remember they were going to do like a curb stomp on the chair, like concerto him. I remember that little segment. Uh, Once he was back in power, Triple H began feuding with Sting, whom he defeated in a no DQ match at WrestleMania 31. Wrong guy won that match. Sting should have won that match. Um, I I get why he didn't win because Triple H had to come out later and do the spot with Ronda and, and Rock. But what they really should have done is had that spot happen before the match ever happened. And then then Sting could have got the win, and you could have used it even that Triple H was distracted because of the Rock and Ronda Rousey, and that helped cost him the match. You really, I mean, they could have played it that way. I think Sting should have won his WrestleMania match. I do, too. I, th- I think that was the wrong move. Uh, the WWE Championship was vacated, like as we mentioned, after Seth Rollins suffered a legitimate severe knee injury in November 2015, and a tournament to determine a new champion was held at Survivor Series, which we said was won by Roman Reigns. Throughout the remainder of 2015, the authority aligned with Sheamus, who successfully cashed in his Money in the Bank contract immediately after Roman Reigns won the title at Survivor Series. After Sheamus defeated Reigns at TLC, a frustrated Reigns viciously attacked Triple H, which resulted in a storyline injury that took him off television. During his hiatus, Roman Reigns regained the championship from Sheamus on the following episode of Raw. That's the episode where I think he Superman punches Vince McMahon. He's out there. He's trying to screw him. They were doing everything they could to make Roman Reigns fucking super baby face. Yeah, they were were trying. Uh, of course, Triple H would return at the Royal Rumble um, after Roman Reigns was set to defend the title in the Royal Rumble match. He was number one. The title was on the line. Uh, number 30, of course, was Triple H. Uh, he would eliminate Roman Reigns, and it would become down to Dean Ambrose and Triple H. And we all knew what the finish was going to be. We all knew Triple H was going to win. But there was a sliver of hope there that they might put the title on Dean Ambrose because he was fucking over. He was so he was fucking super over. Super over. Super um, over but- that time. But, of course, Triple H wins, and we actually see his 14th and final title run. Not very long one. On the February 29th Raw, Triple H was cutting a promo until he was interrupted by Dean Ambrose, where he would issue a challenge to a match for him and Triple H at Roadblock for the title. The Raw before Roadblock, Ambrose cut a promo and says he is going to hijack the title and hijack WrestleMania. 
I actually have that clip right here. Look, I know it's bad timing three weeks before WrestleMania, but I don't care. I don't care what Triple H's plans were. I don't care what Roman Reigns' plans were. Fact of the matter is, this Saturday night on the WWE Network, I'm hijacking the WWE Championship, and I'm hijacking WrestleMania, whether anybody likes it or not. Isn't that a, a fun little fantasy you got going on there, Dean? I almost, I almost hate to be the guy to ruin it for you, but let me bring you back down to reality. Reality is that this WWE World Heavyweight Championship is going to stay with me as long as I want it to. Let me, in, let, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? Roadblock is just a, a clever name that some idiot in marketing came up with. It has nothing to do with you. You are not a roadblock. You are, at best, maybe a speed bump or a pothole. You're going to get hurt permanently. Hey, hurt. <laughs> Hurt's not so bad in delusional. Hey, being delusional's got me this far. I'd rather be delusional than be whatever you are. Whatever I am. You want to know what I am? I am driven. I am driven, and you can say it however you want. Driven by money, power, success, however you want to say it. But I am driven, and that is what makes me, me, and what makes you... <laughs> well, it's, it, honestly, it's what makes you, you. You know? You know, Hunter, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm having a little hard time hearing you, all right? Maybe you busted my eardrum over there on the announce table last week. Why don't you come into this ring? Why don't you come a little closer and tell me up close? Just so I can hear you a little bit better. You guys want to see me go in there and fight Dean Ambrose right now? See, here's the thing with that. I don't fight on your time and I don't fight on your time. I fight on my time. You, Dean Ambrose, you will get your shot this Saturday at Roadblock. And Dean, whether you learn it tonight or whether you learn it Saturday at Roadblock, you are going to come face to face with reality. And reality is the authority always wins. At the end of that Raw, Ambrose actually lays Triple H out with a Dirty Deeds, and they roll right into this match. This pay-per-view took place on a Saturday. So the show, Travis, Roadblock, took place March 12, 2016, from the Rico Coliseum in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The attendance was 9,000, almost like 9,300. Uh, here's the matches we got. There was a couple dark matches. Mark Henry defeated Randy Sharp. No idea who Randy Sharp is. I saw it on there. <laughs> it's probably some no local idea. guy. No Jumbo Beretta. That's a deep cut. Jumbo's titties. <laughs> wrestling Ruin reference. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to swing back another episode of Wrestling Ruined here soon. Uh, Goldust defeated Victor. Uh, then you get to the main show. Uh, the New Day uh, defeated the League of Nations, which was Sheamus and King Barrett to retain the tag titles. Chris Jericho defeated Jack Swagger. Uh, then you get this match we talked about at the end of our episode last week. The Revival defeated Enzo and Cass to retain the NXT tag titles. Really random that they just threw the NXT tag title match on this card. 
not gonna hate well love, love well, me some ma- revival makes sense why uh um byron saxton was there because he was oh, yeah. on commentary with jbl and michael cole so he brought the knowledge of nxt to the show oh yeah uh charlotte defeated natalia to retain the wwe divas title which we're still there we're, we're almost we're almost through the divas era uh, Brock Lesnar defeated the Wyatt family, which was a two-on-one handicap match between Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. That was fucking stupid. Yeah, an, an, another another way to put a nail in the Wyatt family coffin at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sami Zayn would defeat Stardust, which is very fucking... Uh, you could talk about it now because it's fucking Sami Zayn and, and Cody Rhodes. Uh, they faced one another. Uh, I actually watched a little bit of that match. It was okay. It, was, it could have been a lot better. I think Cody pretty much checked out, to be honest with you. It, it's funny, though, to see where they are now compared to that that moment in time because Stardust could have been no less over than he was at that point, and, that, and then he becomes who he is now, which is fucking wild. Yeah, it is pretty wild. And then, of course, we get the main event match between Triple H and Dean Ambrose for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with you. Lex Generation Wrestling brings some of the most talked about and star-studded professional wrestlers from around the world. Based out of East Tennessee, NGW is becoming one of the most sought-after independent wrestling promotions in the past four years. Witness NGW Live or on demand on the High Spots Wrestling Network streaming app. Follow us on social media platforms at NextGenTN. We believe the mat is sacred. Honor is real. And everything is discussed under pure rules. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purist Podcast. We review all things wrestling and don't pull any punches. We do an episode every Sunday where we go back and watch a pre-2020s pay-per-view and then talk about it in the segment we call the Retro Review. I also do an episode every Friday morning in our WIN series, WIN just stands for Weekend News. It gives me an opportunity to freely shoot on 10 news topics from the past week. I also do pay-per-view predictions and reactions to large breaking news stories like Tony Khan being the new owner of Ring of Honor Wrestling. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Check out our Twitter page, at the WP underscore pod. That's T-H-E-W-P underscore P-O-D for all updates. Our pinned tweet has other links as well, like our merch store and how to support our show directly. Remember, whether you agree with us or not, we're right, because we are the Wrestling Purists. All right, guys. So now that we're back, go ahead and open up your Peacock app. And this was the easiest way I found. Uh, search Roadblock. Just search Roadblock. You'll see Triple H yep. and Dean Ambrose on the cover. Uh, we're going to start at the 1 hour, 59 minute, and 26 second mark. You'll see the graphic for the WWE title on the screen. Uh, we're going to say 3, 2, 1, and play, and we'll get rolling. You ready, Travis? Yes, sir. All right, a 3, 2, one, play. 
Well, here we go. So Travis, mute JBL there. <clears throat> oh God, yeah, he's loud. I hate him on commentary. When did you first see this match? I watched it live. I was very much invested in watching the lead up to WrestleMania. Usually every year, I'll watch most of everything that leads up to WrestleMania from uh, the usually the December pay per view on because then they start building towards the Rumble, which sets up for Mania. But I remember taking interest in this because this is a uh, first time singles match on like live television. If I'm not badly fooled, I believe so. And Triple well. H, Triple H wasn't making a lot of title defenses. And I kind of felt like this may be his last hurrah champion, which I, I we, we were right on that. So he was gonna he's gonna give it his all against some of these younger guys that he really wanted to work with. So that actually should take some solace in that that Triple H chose one of his last great matches to be against him. Yeah, I want to say Triple he H also defend- like Mox, Moxley there a little bit. He also de- he also defends the title against Dolph Ziggler on Raw. He does, he does, because that was the first time Triple H had defended the belt on raw in years or something. I can't remember, but it was a wild stat. Yeah. So it was just like very, go ahead. They were saying like uh, JBL says on commentary that this is the first time triple H has defended the belt on a, a like a live, almost like a pay-per-view event. And I can't remember how many years, but it was staggering to sit there and think about God. It's been that long since he was champion. I mean, it's at least been what? 2009 since he was champion. Yeah. 2008 2009 yeah yeah because I, so. I know he was he was on smackdown when he was champion and then he lost it to i can't even remember it's been so long ago it's hard it's hard to keep up with those title reigns i know him and sheamus feuded there for a little while um but yeah it's hard to kind of keep up with i i want to talk about this really quick man because dean ambrose here looks like a fucking bum I don't know if oh. it's the scraggly hair or what it is. It's it's a lot to do with the hair and like just the the pasty skin. I think it is. It's like he was meant to look like and God, I hate saying this, the lunatic fringe. Like he was unkempt and unkept kind of thing. Because Michael Cole would destroy that nickname every time he ever came out. It's the lunatic fringe, Dean Ambrose. Yeah. You know who is feeding him that, so of yeah i will say triple h in great shape here though my the, i like the old school field introductions where they show them walking down the uh hallway to the ring um oh, yeah. just a very old school feel to this match it was weird because triple, triple h, h came out came out first too mm-hmm. yep which was a little weird but the crowd is split 50 50 here but it's because triple h is wrestling for the first time in front of the Toronto crowd for some crazy amount too. Oh, yeah. I think they said this is the first time that the WWE championship has been defended in Toronto in 14 years, That's which would nuts. put you at WrestleMania 18, which was a triple H one to belt. He's telling him to suck it. So you mentioned this on our last podcast, uh, where Moxley has claimed that this is going to, is one of the best matches he's ever had. He said he's had, really good matches that were never filmed that were just kind of like dark matches. Um, but televised matches, this is one of his best matches. So of course, uh, I had to have you download the audio book, uh, of, of Mox's, uh, book Mox. And here's some of the things that, uh, Mox said, uh, he said that Vincent man booked this match with no plan. 
uh, and he looked forward to watching it. Vin, he looked, Vince said that. Um, with the Lumi Bear match, way with, out of it, pal. <laughs> uh, with the Lumi match with Brock, uh, they were kind of in a tricky situation booking the match. Um, so Mox's plan was to have them go an hour, do an hour time limit draw, mm-hmm. uh, and Vince and, the, and Triple H were like, "No, we're not doing that." Uh, Pat Patterson was extremely excited for the match uh, with it being laid out as a classic old school match, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and he point, uh, point, uh, basically in his head pondered what Triple H would do and how good of a ring general Triple H really is because, you know, it's kind of known that Triple H can pretty much put a pretty good match on with anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And he said that he could tell Triple H had something to prove in this match. And I, I Watching this match back, hundred percent believe that he had something to prove, mm-hmm. um, saying you know, showing that he could go with these guys. Um, and you mentioned it too. They call this entire match in the ring, which they kind of use as like a badge of honor because a lot of guys choreograph and go over spots so much. Uh, I think the only spot they had planned is the was kind of like the finish, but the finish actually the gets finish fucked up sequence, in this. Yeah. It gets fucked up in this match, and um, we'll talk about that when we get to that point. But uh, I just it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I'll talk more about what he said in, uh, in his book, but I want to go back or actually go forward from this match like about two years because he ends up getting injured. He comes back from injury. He has his hair cut, um, clean cut, like his beard's cut in uh, and he's fucking jacked. John Moxley, Dean Ambrose is probably in the best shape he has ever been in when he returns from injury and shows up on Raw to, uh, to help Seth Rollins. Yeah, he uh, he was in great shape at that point, um, and he talks about it, like the match before this. They had at Fastlane, and him, Roman, and Brock was a really good match. He liked too, but like in his book, he talks about how it just has old school NWA feel, like short ramp, dark arena, shitty acoustics, just just two guys calling in the ring, and him and Triple H sitting in the back, just going over like filling each other out about what they wanted to do, like just kind of old school, like yeah, we could do this, we could do that. And then they're just like, you know what? We just do it in the ring. Like, And you could tell it. Like, I mean, it's got that old school work a limb, work a body's part. I really like the part where we, we were talking over it, but he grabs him by the nose. Like, just, oh, yeah. just an old school thing you don't see anymore. And he, like, puts his fingers in his nose and moves him around the ring. And now he's working over the knee. Which JBL puts over him working over his quad, his repaired quad, which I thought was pretty cool in JBL's part to bring that up. Because that's not something the other two even really thought about. Yeah, he has like Triple a little drop kick right skinny there. here, by the way. Oh, the, he mentions that in his book, too. <laughs> um, yeah. What you were talking about, like he had him in a uh, – he has him in like an arm bar, and um, he's pulling on his nose. It just looked really vicious. And it, it, and it does feel really old school, too. Like I love the way the arena's lit. Uh, Brandon would be happy because Brandon always loved it when, you know, all the light and focus is on the middle of the ring. But you've been to house shows. This is how a house show is, is set up. The lighting is set up this way yeah. for a house show. It's just got a it's, a, it's like a stripped down feel. They got the little ramp, the little screen, all the attentions on the ring. Like, and, and I, I just, that's one of the reasons I chose this match is it's not really talked about because you kind of knew going into it who was going to, win like they weren't going to screw up mania plans but that doesn't mean it can't still be a great match oh yeah they had something to prove to ambrose i think just like hey you know 
I could be in that spot. I can put on great matches with anyone too. Like this is before he became reliant on the wacky line and all that shit. And I, a lot of that was commentary, just making him to, into a, kind of a fool. Yeah. Right on the steps. Yeah. This is before um, he started bleeding every fucking match too. That's the thing, man, is, is, you know, we give AEW a lot of shit. A lot of it's rightfully so. Um, and, you know, when WWE fucks up, I'll give them a lot of shit too. But the the John Moxley kind of idea right now is, is not where it should be. I get if he's kind of the, the, the flag bearer for AEW, but this Dean Ambrose was so much better to me than John Moxley. And I feel like, John Moxley just wanting to focus all of his time on, you know, bleeding and doing hardcore shit. Um, and this guy didn't have to do that. No, this guy got over on character and matches, and he could still cut a hell of a promo, which they show in the video package him cutting. You know, you talked about it, how he had something to prove he was going to hijack WrestleMania, like great stuff. Like to me, I think. He, in AEW, he just goes back. He uses the blood as a crutch, and I, I ain't using it. I'm not trying to shit on AEW here, but like when you do it every other match, like it's a crutch. It, it, you didn't need to bleed tonight. You had a five minute match with Evil Uno. You did not need to bleed tonight. You could have done everything you did and still set up the Texas Death Match without having to bleed a gusher for 30 seconds on TV. Yeah, yeah. It, it, to me, when you just if you're doing this, you know, every once in a while, you're doing it in a big match. Uh, to me, it makes sense. It makes the match feel bigger when you can do that. However, when you're doing it every single show, you know, shout out to our buddies at Bleeding John, keeping up on that. Um, it makes it less meaningful. Oh, you got busted over again. It, now people are just expecting it. And now they're going to shit on you for doing it. You're not adding to anything. You're just doing it to do it. Slow methodical here. Love it. Elbow to the back. The vertical suplex just dropping him in front. That's very Harley race like. He even does the rings of Saturn. It might be right here in a second. Triple H does, and I was surprised to see yeah. that. He's, he's Camera angles are really good right here now. too. Yeah, they're doing a really good job. And um, like you said, when, when I originally watched this match, I watched this match when it, when it aired as well. Um, I knew who was going to win this match. I was more hyped about seeing the revival versus Enzo and cast than anything on this show. And then was pleasantly surprised with this match. Here comes the ring of Saturn right here. Oh God. That, that move still looks fucking vicious as fuck. Oh, it's gotta hurt. It's gotta hurt some man. Cause you're both your arms are pinned behind you and he's yanking up on your neck. It's gotta hurt some uh, somewhat, even though they're talking shit to each other right now. It's fucking, that's actually a pretty cool visual too. They're talking shit, smiling at each other. Yeah, I will say you can just tell they're having fun and they're not overly exerting themselves. They're not doing 20 fucking super kicks. They're just, it's a slow, methodical match and it it's pretty good. I will say he talks about it in his book too that Triple H is super blown up after this match is over with. And you can tell watching this match that he's blown the fuck up because he hasn't had to work like this in fucking years. You know, every once in a while, you know, he, he worked, you know, Danielson at WrestleMania and he worked the stuff with the shield, but it was six man tag matches. So it's a little, you can kind of hide rest. You get, you get a break everything. And, and this is a common theme with a lot of the matches we watch. 
everything they do in this match means something from the extra effort, throwing him into the ropes to the elbows, to the back, trying to work him down, working the knees, working the nose. It's, it's, it all just fucking means something. These guys in the front row are having a good time, by the way. Oh yeah. A couple of Molson's. (laughs) The Canadian bitch. Brandon loves this match. (laughs) I mean, it's fucking probably been to the Rico a hundred times, which actually ties back into fucking Box's book because he was talking about how he was filming a movie in Canada and every day they, they, you know, they buy them, you know, lunch. He he didn't have to pay for lunch. And they're like, well, we have a steakhouse here, steakhouse there. And they got this. And he's like, uh, can you give me Tim Hortons? That's all he ate the entire time he was there was Tim Hortons. (laughs) So he was doing uh, 12 rounds three or some shit. Yeah, he said he was doing some movie. I'm assuming it, but that's what it was. Yeah, it's got to be it. Or it, it, it could be that damn UFC fighting movie he did after he left WWE, but pretty sure 12 Rounds 3 is filmed up there. Not a terrible movie, but Moxley was just not what I would consider an actor. Yeah. I always hated that move. It looks cool, but it just it's like your elbow dropping a standing guy, so you're going to have to hurt yourself. Made sense that. for his lun- lunatic fringe character, though. Sami Zayn has been doing that too, and it's just, it, to me, it just doesn't look good. Hey, man, did you know that the Rico is now the Ambrose Asylum? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Michael Cole says that immediately as soon as he walks down the fucking ramp. Not Lord, the Rico fringe. It's now the Ambrose Asylum. Like, Jesus when, Christ! It's like Usos penitentiary. Fuck me! Oh God! When they when they first debuted, I mean, I, I kind of know, but kind of just for the podcast. What was your thoughts on the Shield? I mean, I was I was happy to see some new guys, like, but I honestly didn't think they were going to have the impact that they had. I just thought they were going to be somebody to bring in to for Punk to use as heaters, and then just kind of. Uh, waste away. I thought Ambrose was going to be the breakout star. Him yeah, and Rollins, we both did. and then, and I didn't think Reigns was going. I thought Rain, I thought Reigns was just going to be a flash in the pan, power guy, kind of pull a Mason Ryan, be gone in like three years, and now he's the fucking biggest thing in wrestling, which is a testament to Roman Reigns because what he's doing now is fucking phenomenal. You oh, can yeah. be a fan of the Bloodline or not, but that fucking storyline is fucking tremendous. And it can go. He, it can go on even after he loses the title. He, it, it he's so going. good as a heel, and this is the stuff that we wanted for fucking years, and they just would not give it to us. It took a fucking pandemic for us to get it. And no offense, like I don't mean to. This is not meant to sound bad towards Roman Reigns, but it also took him having the battle cancer and take that break for him to be away for a while for the fans to to really, really want to see him again. Then the pandemic happens, and then he he becomes the heel. And fans wanted to see him when he came back, and then he was like, nope, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm I'm the man now. So the, the night he came out with Paul Heyman, where Paul Heyman was on, shown sitting by his side in the back, I was like, holy fuck. Wacky line. Fuck yeah. They're That's doing cool. A lot if of you don't false finish, see a lot of false finishes here. He, he was going Six for the pedigree. Times a match. Uh, he was he was going for the um, dirty deeds. Uh, but yeah, I agree, man. Like to me, the shield it was it was definitely um, the right place, right time, right guys, and each of them filled mm-hmm. their roles perfectly. Um, you obviously, I mean, of course, 
Roman was going to be the guy in Vince's eyes. And, you know, the fact that he didn't really get Dean Ambrose is kind of, uh, it's kind of upsetting just because the guy could work. Guy could cut a promo. Um, however, you know, when you go back, Oh, hell of a clothesline. Jesus. Uh, great sell too. that. It goes back to that podcast he did with Steve Austin. And that could be a reason why we never really got to see more of them kind of get behind him because they realize uh, he's not really a, a people person. He just doesn't he doesn't care like what people think in real life. So, and my thing is, if you even listen to his book, he, he, he respected Vince McMahon. He just didn't agree with his decisions and how people were being presented. Like, cause he even said he, like he was going to show Vince that he deserved to be in this spot. And like, if Ooh. he didn't care what Vince thought, he wouldn't have gave a shit, you know, he'd been like, Oh, fuck this, whatever. Um, I know you were talking about too how how everything means something like it's kind of a theme of this podcast where everything that every motion means something. He went to go dive at Triple H and Triple H just put his fists up and hit him in the face and he sold it and made it look so devastating. Made something so simple look so devastating. I fucking love that. Yeah, I did. I mean, I can tell you there's been matches I, I've talked told the guys I've been watching you know WCW ninety nine. And I'm like, oh my god, Benoit Liger about to have a match, and then three quarters of the match is good, and then it ends in interference. And like, if I could take the three quarters of that match and get rid of the ending, they'd be all they'd be on this podcast. But guess what? <laughs> when you fuck up a match with a shitty ending, it's not going to be on this podcast. Hate to tell you, no, no. Just like Sid and Doctor Death, Steve Williams were having a banger, and then Oklahoma came out. Fuck you. It's reversal. Figure four, four. damn it. It's great. He's the sell job. Uh, I do like the fact, too, that the crowd is pretty much split. Uh, Dean Ambrose is so fucking hot right now. Um, this To me, this is his year. 2016 is his year. Um, of course, he, we'll talk about it in the aftermath, what kind of happens later on in 2016. But to me, just starting from the Rumble on, because he was over in his match because he defended the Intercontinental title at the Rumble. In the Rumble match, he was so fucking over. Um it's just kind of wild to me that, you know, in a couple of months, he's going to be champion. I feel like I couldn't yeah, believe I, they actually pulled the trigger. I was the, the show he loses the belt. It's when they first bring back Backlash, and he loses it to AJ Styles in Richmond, Virginia, because I drove up there, bought tickets, and went to the show. And I was there when AJ won the belt for the first time. So it's pretty fucking cool. Which pay-per-view was it that you were at and there was a terrorist attack? Uh, I was day. supposed to go to Survivor Series. Was it 2014? It would have been 2015. It was the tournament, and I remember that because we uh, you were going to go. Because um, where was it at? Atlanta. So That's I was going to go to Atlanta and watch the pay-per-view because it was going to be a guaranteed new champion. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go. Had, had my ticket. And then they talked about it. There's a potential for a terrorist attack. There, people will be waiting outside. Sharpshooter, by the way. Oh my god! In his book, he talks about Natty. He asked Natty for permission to use the sharpshooter. Uh, he did something there too. As he put the sharpshooter in, um, he has his right arm putting leverage. He was look at his fist. He was putting his fist down on Triple H's like bat in the back of his leg, like grinding it. It looked really cool. Mm. Um, it's it is a nice sharpshooter. Considering a lot of guys do this move so fucking bad, it is very nice. He said that he uh, practiced said, it on one of the uh, uh, revival guys too. Yep, 
Needless to say, I didn't go to the show. Sheamus won the belt, and there was no terrorist attack. And I was so fucking mad that I bought a ticket and then didn't get then get didn't get to go, and I didn't get a refund. So it's wild. Uh, really quick, cagematch.net. We've been kind of going to them. Uh, I go to them a lot just kind of get some ideas, read people's opinions. Um, it's funny because there's some really good matches that we have on our list. And for shits and gigs, I go on there just to see. And there's always like one or two people that rate a match zero for no fucking reason. They're like, their facial expressions didn't have me believing that this match was real. Zero. I'm like, that makes no sense. But this match. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, a, that's somebody trying to be a Marky Mark. Try to be a Dave Meltzer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks they're really dates. I, I, I Here's it, here like, it is. At one, Here's... two. So the, the original finish there, he hits the he hits Dirty Deeds, and Triple H was supposed to have his foot under the rope. But the way they landed, he was not. Um, Moxley had his foot under the rope. Uh, I did see somebody, you know, I found this match on YouTube because uh, I was just trying to, you know, find different clips. And somebody's like, I was there in the crowd. His feet were nowhere near the fucking bottom rope. So that's their way of getting out of this. Um, however, they could say, you know, Triple H pay the ref, whatever you want to you want to make it off. But he said, his, you know, originally Triple H's foot was supposed to be under the rope, but he landed in a different position. And Mox got on that on that far side, and he goes to he goes to roll him up with the feet on the ropes. It does <laughs> kind of take you out of the match. Triple H's feet on the ropes. Yeah, it, it kind of takes but you out it, of the match it, a little bit. But to, to, to Triple H's a... credit, he didn't kick out of his finish. Yep. I will also give you this too. Is it's a finish you didn't see very often either, so it wasn't overplayed. Like what they did there wasn't overplayed, even even if it was kind of fucked. You didn't see many times that the babyface got the pin broke up because his foot was under the ropes. I know it happened to Sid one oh, time. Oh fuck! Yeah, ninety six. Um, um, the thing is, too, uh, the camera covered it well, so there's that. But when you when you realize what the finish was supposed to be, it it's very noticeable. Uh, I was going back to cage match really quick. Uh, they rate most the average rating was an 8.37 out of 10 uh, with many saying it was a pleasant surprise at how good the match was, but also this should have been the main event of, for WrestleMania instead of Roman and triple H. They prefer this match over that one. I agree. Uh, they had two differing styles here. They worked, these guys worked together well and their styles didn't weren't the same Roman and triple H's styles are pretty much the same. Ooh. So like, like styles usually don't do great in matches together. <laughs> you see him? Yeah. <laughs> Doing the Shawn Michaels suck it. Oh, that's some good shit right there. Damn. Triple H there with his skinny little knee pads. No, he does. So uh, this match is, is we're starting to get you know a little bit closer towards the end of it. Um, he's going to do this spot here. He's going to climb the barricade. Triple H is going to move. And um, he's going to drop the elbow through the table. Uh, after this match was over, going back to his book, uh, Mox says that Vince, uh, Pat Patterson, and Stephanie McMahon all put over the match, saying it was so fucking good. Um, with Moxley saying, turns out that Triple H kid can work. He's just got to do something about those skinny calves. Made me laugh so <laughs> fucking hard. Listen to it at work, and I was just busting out laughing. Like, what are you laughing at? I was like, um, audiobook I'm listening to. Oh, and the thing was just, he was... Moxley Ambrose, whatever you want to call him, make it gets a bad rap, but the dude really does respect the history of wrestling. Like when he, in his book and just the chapters I listen to, like he talks glowingly about Triple H, the NWA, classic matches. All he wanted to do was be a wrestler. So like 
guy's a student of the game. He said this was his idea for this spot, too, is he'd go through the table, pretty much take himself out, and then that would give Triple H the win. But you got to think here. Triple H beats him clean. There's no interference, anything like that. Like, you know, they could have had the authority run down and cost him, but he didn't. And and that's a good touch to this match. Like, even though Triple H wins, it's 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 very, very straightforward match. You wouldn't think at this time because because of the authority. They're always interfering in matches at this point. Yeah, right now. But that's what uh, happens with Ambrose is trying to Seth trying Rollins to crawl back hurt. in. They're at nine. He slides in right into the pedigree. It was like perfect. The crowd's popping, man. They're excited. Yep. One, two, three. And you can just tell Triple H is blown the fuck up. <laughs> but they got through it, and it was a damn good match that people just don't mention enough. And I know we go back to it all the time on this podcast, but that's the reason for the podcast. A lot of these matches aren't talked about because they're not on a WrestleMania or they're not on a SummerSlam. Or, or something like that. I want to tell you so, that belt. That belt looks like a replica belt, and I don't like it. If, yeah. if you see it, if you see it, it's very see. I mean, it's like very stiff. I don't know. It's, it just bugs me a little bit. But Triple H is selling it. His selling <laughs> here is making Ambrose look like a went, bigger star. Went through a battle there. Oh yeah, and and I like it, man. I, I like the fact that they called all that in the ring. Um, that just goes to show that it, it's just the fun part of wrestling, you know? And like you were saying, the problem is wrestling is just a constant cycle that you can get a great match. And then it's like the next night you almost forget about it because it's just, boom, there's another one. Boom. There's another match. Boom. There's another show. Uh, and he even kind of says that they, they, that camera view looked really good in the replay they're showing here of him, his foot under the rope. It really does look like his foot was under the rope. So uh, I'll give them that. And Cone handled it. Per- Cone handled it perfectly. Like your feet are in the rope. You you can't you can't be outside the ring either, so like it's it's an inventive finish to get them to where they want to be and make and make Ambrose look strong too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So as they're showing the replay oh, here, but- Travis, we'll, we'll go roll we'll roll right into the aftermath really quick. Dean Ambrose would go on to lose in his no DQ match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, which many people consider super disappointing. I do as well. Uh, Moxley has said that Brock Lesnar did not want to do shit with him. He didn't want, he kept throwing ideas at him, didn't want to do anything with him. So he was kind of handicapped with what he could do. You could tell that in the match too. Like I was, I remember watching it. I don't think I watched it with you, but I watched it live and I was just like, that's it. Like it's very, for an ODQ match, it's just like, eh, like it's not good. Yeah, that WrestleMania is known as the WrestleMania where the women still a show. Yep. Yes, it is. Uh, Triple H would lose the WWE Championship to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Also super lackluster, um, if you ask me. Um, After WrestleMania, Ambrose uh, began a rivalry with Chris Jericho. He defeated Jericho at Payback and again at Extreme Rules in an Asylum match later that month in the feud. This is when he had that pet plant. uh, plant. I don't remember what it it was called. Itch. Uh, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch the Punt. Yeah. Um, just stupid shit. Uh, in May, Ambrose would win the 2016 Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, later that same night, he would cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase uh, to defeat Seth Rollins, who had just won the World Heavyweight Championship from Roman Reigns. It was his return pay-per-view back. He showed up at Extreme Rules at the end of the show, and uh, he popped in there. And um, yep. that's the match with AJ and Roman. Pretty good match as well. 
it's it's wild. It's it's wild because every member of the Shield held the title that night. Roman, yep. Seth, and Dean all held the belt that night. Yep, it is kind of wild. But that, that he won his first and um, I believe his only World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, we would get the brand split in July, and he would be the first pick for SmackDown, where he would feud with Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles in the year of 2016. You mentioned it; AJ Styles beat him for the title. Uh, they have the TLC match. Uh, AJ Styles gets the big hole in his pants, um, right in the ass of him. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the fucking August James 26th, Ellsworth too. Fuck James. Yeah, Ellsworth. all that shit. Yeah, fucked all that. Uh, on the August 29th episode of Raw. Triple H made his return by interfering in the main event for the recently vacated WWE Universal Championship. Firstly, he attacked rival Roman Reigns with a pedigree, allowing former authority stablemate Seth Rollins to eliminate him. Uh, before attacking Rollins and allowing Kevin Owens to get the pin, huge night. I got goosebumps that night. It was one of the coolest fucking matches to watch. I think, you know, it's not on our list. I may add that match to our list because it's a pretty fun match, that four-way. I don't even know if Balor and Rollins is on our list either, but that's another good, pretty good match, even though Balor gets hurt in it. I thought about adding that one as well. Uh, uh, we may have to add both those. I like that. Uh, this would kickstart his feud with Rollins, which allegedly they were supposed to have at the WrestleMania prior, um, which culminated at WrestleMania 33 where Rollins defeated him. Um, pretty good little match. Not terrible. Not bad. He was the, uh, the King Slayer and the Beast Slayer. I was there for that one. Yep, in Orlando. Yep. Because they were worried that Rollins might not make the show because he tweaked his knee. Samoa Joe. Yep, yep. Samoa Joe attacked him, and he uh, went to go put him in the coquina clutch, and when he did, when he fell back, his knee landed awkwardly. So, Travis, let's polish this match off, man. Uh, what do you have to say about it? Not much, man. Just pretty much what I said earlier. Just a hidden, hidden gem there for uh, Ambrose. Uh, to me, it's one of Triple H's last great matches, singles matches. Cause I don't his salty stuff. It was always snake bit, man. He never had a good match in salty. Yeah, his match with uh, Batista he, was not that good either. Rollins was good, um, and he had a match with Orton. It's either is it a, in an Australia show? Super, or it, it might be a super showdown. Show. It was a super showdown show. That show's pretty. That one's okay, but like to me, this is like one of his last great singles matches. Uh, another reason to to look at it too. But um, just just right right up the alley of this podcast, just a lost lost gym, because it everybody kind of knew what was going to happen. But like I said, it did not take away from the match being pretty damn good. So, um, I'd seek it out, uh, and and just uh just check out Roadblock and see kind of what a live event was supposed to feel like in 2016. A little bit yeah. of everything. I think it's cool that they they both kind of that he holds the match so high like in high regard that Moxley does, um, and uh, it, it kind of makes me miss that era. Um, even though uh, you know we're on the cusp of the brand split, the brand split was to me was one of the better things they did. It helped make a little you know more stars. Uh, AJ Styles became a huge star because of the brand split uh, and his feud with with Ambrose. And um, I think we have, we have more yeah. matches with Ambrose later on, so that we can kind of talk about him leaving and and potentially you know some stuff with AEW. But now, Travis, you know this ma- this match is over. This this episode's pretty much over. We look to the next episode with the will of destiny. If you guys have never listened to the podcast before, uh, this is how we decide on which match we're going to cover next. We have a list, an ongoing list right now. Travis, we have two hundred and forty-five matches. I added a few more. Um, there's a few NXT matches we didn't have on there. Um, 
And we put into the Wheel of Names, the Wheel of Destiny that we call it. Uh, these matches span over the last 40 years uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, WWF, WWE, WCW, NWA, TNA, AEW, Ring of Honor, um, kind of all over the place. Even the local show that I'm involved with, NGW, uh, and there's some bangers on there as well. So what we do is we put it into a randomizer, we shuffle it, and then we spin it. And that's the match, you know, whatever it lands on, that's what we cover. So uh, what do you think we're going to get, Travis? Going uh, early 90s WCW. That's what I was I was thinking, early 90s WCW as well. So let's spin the wheel and make the deal, Travis. Mm, oh, my man. nipples are so hard. Cut glass. Oh, I see your, I, I just realized you have your Undertaker shirt on. Tim right, Paul Bear's on there too. Yeah. Ooh, we were both wrong, but this is a good match. I'm really excited to cover this one. Uh, Randy Orton versus Cactus Jack, Backlash 2004. Oh god, uh, that's a that's a, a really Foley's good great. fucking match. Uh, Mick Foley lost so much weight going into this match that you can almost barely recognize him from WrestleMania to then. It barely looks like the same guy. Yeah, because he was disappointed in his Mania match and really wanted to to help Orton. Uh, there that whole feud leading up to it, I know we'll cover it. Is is gold from the Legend Killer leading up to Cokes and Foley to come back, The Rock coming back to be his partner, then leading to this match where. I legitimately thought Mick Foley was going to be Orton for the Intercontinental title for a little bit because it, it was just really damn good. And Mick Foley's probably never been in that good of shape since. And it's nah. it's a damn good throwback match for Cactus Jack. Dude, it's a it's a and good Orton, one. And and to me, this is the match that proved Orton wasn't just a pretty boy. And he, he had an edge Orton to on, him. Put Orton on the map, and there's a lot of spots in here that a young Orton – uh, did not have to take that he took to to really put over Cactus Jack and all McFoley meant for wrestling at the time, you know his past and and what a legend he was too. So and the and Randy Orton's facials when he hits the damn thumbtacks is oh, it's great, so which is probably probably legitimate pain too because he's never been on any. But it's uh it's a damn good match. Can't remember whose that one is, but uh, it's mine. Glad to it's mine. Glad glad it's on the list. Yeah, man, I'm really excited about that one. 2004 WWE is really fun for me. Uh, uh, I know uh, he who should not be named, a.k.a. Chris Benoit, as a huge Stevie part Richards. of 2004. Yes, Steve Richards. Um, that backlash show is pretty good that that show's on. I'm really excited to talk about mm -hmm. it. I'm really excited to dive into the, the promos, building up to it, adding those clips to the, the episode because, you know, him spitting in his face, kicking him down the steps, uh, the Royal Rumble match that leads, you know, he comes back, he attacks, I think it's Test in the back to get his spot. And uh, Mick mm. Foley eliminates both of them. We roll right into Mania. We have that weird lackluster two out of two on three handicap match, uh, and then they get this match. And this match always stuck with me how good it was. So I'm really excited to cover that. No, yeah, me too. L looking forward to it. Uh, Travis, what you got for me, man? Not much, man. I'm just selling stuff on eBay at a TGL the Man 12. Still putting stuff up there. We have the that Smoky Mountain Collector Show coming up not this weekend, but next. Also just did a show with the Wrestling Purist on Against All Odds 2010. Uh, always fun to be over there with those guys covering some stuff. Uh, rumor mill is afloating that there could be a Wrestling Ru Ruin reunion sometime soon to talk about some more 1995 shit-tasticness. King Mabel rules forever, baby. Don't even, don't even, uh, don't even hate. Uh, and also, I know we mentioned earlier, but those guys over there, Bleeding John, are fucking on it tonight. Just immediately had the screenshot up. We're ready to roll. So shout out to those guys over there. Definitely not us. 
uh, just uh, some some guys that we really like out there in the world that are doing the Lord's work. So I'll uh, pass it over to you, sir. <laughs> Definitely follow us, guys, on all social media platforms. Uh, Wrestling Reckham, R-E-C-O-M-M on Twitter. Uh, and then follow us on Facebook and TikTok at Wrestling Recommendations. Uh, we keep going crazy my phone's been going off the entire time of people commenting and liking stuff keep doing that and if you do you know discover us through tiktok let me know let me know on tiktok that you uh that you heard the podcast and share it get us out there i, I want this to become our uh, profession I, I want to uh continue to watch wrestling with my buddy and um get paid for it and if it leads you to us follow us on twitter like us on facebook all that good stuff also one last shout out uh me and uh, Eddie may be making an appearance on uh, the heavy metal March Madness for Rants at the Black Lodge discussing our favorite Metallica songs. Uh, Go Fuel, by the way. Fuck Brandon for not letting St. Anger be a part of that fucking <laughs> bracket. But, you know, always always good to make an appearance over there, even if it's just pre-recorded. And uh, also, one last thing, fuck Fat Tony. <laughs> yeah, guys, we will. Uh, we, we did talk about we never canceled Wrestling uh, Ruined, where we, we cover the year of 1995 from each Raw and, and WCW pay per view and WWF pay per view. Uh, we just haven't had time to do it. Brandon's been real busy. We've been really busy. Um, so we look forward to probably doing another one over there on the Project Ladder Network. Um, NGW, the show I'm involved with, guys, we're going to be running a show here before too long. Um, trying to get some promotional materials before we do this toy show uh, in a few weeks. Um, follow us at NextGenTN on social media. I might post some clips on our TikTok of some of those matches as well. Uh, but until next week, guys, we've you know we're going to watch Cactus Jack, bang bang, uh, versus uh, the Legend Killer Randy Orton. Uh, I am Eddie. And, it's a great song. <laughs> I am Eddie. This is Travis, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>